Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Recovering Entrepreneur Show. Today, I have someone that has five degrees, if I counted right, including six, six. including <laughs> two doctorates. So, Dr. Erica Steele, welcome to the shows. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me today. Your energy is infectious just through the screen. So I'm so excited about this and I'm sorry for counting wrong. Um, Oh, it's okay. And I'm working on a seventh, but who's counting? Wow. It takes a special kind of brain to do academic, especially with some of the topics um, of your degrees. Like it's not an easy feat. So congratulations. And you still look like you're a teenager. So I don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like 22, you know, (laughs) I know exactly. Just celebrated. (laughs) So the reason I have you on both shows is because I, would you mind repeating what you told me before we, we press record about your mission? Because I think that'll speak to. Yeah. I mean, my mission really is to motivate, educate, inspire people. Right. And especially in this day and age, people are struggling from all different vantage points, all different socioeconomic standings, all different backgrounds, all different continents. Right. And so I really just want to be that beacon of light, hope, and truth for people to just shine out and go, Oh, look over there, over there. So really it's to, to draw people in and allow people the opportunity to be able to transform and heal, heal themselves and their lives. And then their case, and then, you know, this dumpster fire called a world that we're living in right now will hopefully (laughs) heal itself. (laughs) Well, I think that's why so many of the topics that you're an expert on are intriguing to me. And I, I want to kick off if you don't mind explaining doctor of, and I don't want to say it wrong, naturopathy, naturopathy, naturopathy. It's okay. People in my field don't even know how to pronounce it properly. So it's It's okay. It's a little intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, yeah. It's like nature and then pathy put together. Naturopathy. Um, It's very old. It comes out of Germany. Um, and so, um, it came to um, the States, America in the early uh, 1900s, by the way of Dr. Bendik lust and really it's nature cure. So it's using, you know, all natural substances to help heal the body because we believe that the body can heal itself if it's given the right environment. And our job is to educate, motivate, and inspire people to not only prevent disease, but also to be able to reverse and stabilize a disease process within the body. Completely natural, especially with all the synthetics that are being bombarded in our system all the time with the environment. It's really important to maintain that homeostasis by using naturally occurring um, substances. So... Thank you. Thanks for explaining that. And it is, it's pretty scary. I saw a TikTok video this week that there was plastic in in chicken McNuggets. Um, That was like beyond scary. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I watched a thing this morning. I wasn't, I didn't watch it. I read it. Um, So Subway just got into a little bit of a a riff because their tuna was tested and it doesn't actually contain, uh, they couldn't find tuna in it. Um, so just for those, you know, tuna sandwich lovers out there and they want to kind of look at that, oh my goodness. <laughs> but it's fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> well, part of, part of my excitement about this is I, 
I would imagine there's different levels of embracing this concept, right. Mm -hmm. Of of staying away from synthetic. And some of it's probably comfort. Like I know a couple of the things I'm still guilty of, like, I would love Mm -hmm. to have a toxin free body, right? Like Mm -hmm. that would be optimal, but Mm -hmm. I don't, I make bad choices, um, Mm -hmm. and don't want to give up some things, but let's, let's pretend. And I don't know why this is coming to me to ask it this way, but let's pretend there's like And maybe you can tell me if you see different buckets of people, like those Mm -hmm. who are just learning, those that are experts, those are curious, like, can you dive into that a little? Yeah, we're all on our evolutionary journey, right? So each and every one of us, we're in our own level of spiritual, mental, emotional, uh, and physical awakening, right? Because we've all been trained to not trust our bodies, not trust ourselves, to give our power and authority over to another human being or an entity or a government or whoever. And so we're, a lot of us are very conflicted, right? A lot of us get scared. If, if we have a fever, we're like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, now I need to go do all the time. You know, not realizing the fever is actually a form of the immune system. It's burning off, you know, viruses and and other pathogens that the body may have. And so we're, we've literally been trained to not trust ourselves, not trust our bodies, give our power away. So as we're all kind of waking up out of that sleep, if you will, and becoming more aware of it, it is, there is resistance, there is fear, there is also a lot of the buried, you know, emotions such as guilt and shame and fear. And a lot of us have been taught to abandon ourselves to go rescue other people, right? And so as you know, I'm a holistic doctor. So even though I'm a naturopathic doctor, the reason I have all this degrees is because I'm treating people on multiple levels, right? So I'm working with people on a physical level. So if they have a diagnosis or a symptom, or they're trying to prevent something or, or they have a health goal, but then also environment, right? So, you know, do they have healthy relationships? Do they have healthy boundaries? Do they hate their spouse? Do they hate their boss? you know, those, are they doing what they love? Right. And then the mental aspects, right. So the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, the limiting beliefs, the thoughts that are persistent, then the emotional aspects, the, you know, being shut down and not dealing with emotions. And then the spirituality and the entombment, I'm, I'm trusting myself. I'm trusting my higher power. I'm living in alignment. And then even ancestral trauma, which is passed down through the DNA, which I work to scientifically prove those things. There've been some studies done, but I continue to expand that. And so, So understanding the impact of also those behavioral patterns and those lifestyle patterns that have been passed down on and on and on and on. on. So, yeah. So, so to say that I I do a lot, I do, but it's because I treat humans and I don't know if you have realized this, but humans are complex. Like they're not, if it was just like a, like I started in the beginning, because that's how we're trained. You run a lab, you give a pill, you run a lab, you give a pill, but the pills weren't working. And no matter what diet you gave people, like they would not do it, would not, you know, be compliant, if you will. And so instead of me shaming and blaming my patients, I said, hmm, why, what's going on? What's the breakdown? What's the resistance? Why are they sabotaging themselves? And that's how I kind of, kind of kept going in that discovery and trying to understand why. Thank you. Oh, I have so many directions I want to go. Okay. <laughs> but the word I wrote down when you were speaking, because this is interesting to me with all the black lives matter and all the conversation, the ancestral and for me personally, up until working on mental, spiritual, physical, um, and emotional at the same time, I'm going to admit something really horrible here. 
But I was like, all that stuff happened before the people who are talking about it even lived, but I didn't have the holistic view. Right. So I was ignorant and and it wasn't deliberate ignorance, which, yeah, I'm embarrassed to admit it quite honestly, but I almost wonder my, I'm thinking about it the right way. I think. Yes, totally. I'm wondering, is it that way with addiction too? Like, is that part of Yes. Addiction is very much part of an ancestral pattern. Right. And that's how I kind of stumbled upon it. You know, my, so I'm, I'm like a child of the universe. I'm uh, my uh, mother's uh, African native American, my father's Scottish, Irish, English, and also native American. Um, And so they both are recovering, been recovering forever. Um, And so my mother's line really dealt with the trauma and my father's line too. They both dealt with it, but more so my mother's line, she, their, their line really dealt with the trauma of slavery and all of that, the in genocide really with either mental illness, right? So I'm just going to check out and go to my fairy fairy place or, you know, there's a history of schizophrenia in my family or you know, I mean, long line of drug and alcohol addiction, right? And so that's another way of checking out. It's just a form of disassociation. But even when I went into, let's say my my father's English line, right? Like the English line, like don't they don't see anything. Like it's like it's it's kind of that classic, like I don't see color, right? And I'm I'm gonna admit something too as well. So being raised by diverse parents, right? Growing up in white spaces, like I grew up in, you know, upper middle class you know, suburban America, like I was one of two mixed kids in my whole school, like I didn't even realize I had a color until fifth grade, right? Like it wasn't even a thing. And so when the whole thing happened, I was like, what do you mean? All lives matter. I don't understand. Right. And it wasn't until I I dated some, some men that were black that I was like, oh, my, like I dated one guy from Louisiana and like, like he was like around my age and like, he didn't have books because of his color. And I was like, what? Like what? So we don't even realize, right. Unless we've had that exposure. And so what I have learned is that's like our privilege. Like when we have all these innate privileges that we didn't even, like, I have a privilege of having parents that were highly educated, like multi-degreed graduate level, you know, my parents, like you, you just go to college. Like that's like a non-negotiable. What do you mean? You don't go to college. You know what I'm saying? Like I could never. And then when my daughter, you know, wanted to go to trade school, I mean, I almost lost my mind. I was like, Oh my God, what do you mean? You know, but it's, it's because I had the privilege of understanding what that's like. And a lot of people, unfortunately don't have those privileges. And then they feel shame, they feel judged, they feel displaced, they feel abandoned. And so coping mechanisms, right? So, oh, I know I'm going to numb out. I'm not going to feel this. I don't know how to feel this. I don't want to feel this. I'm not into feeling this. I don't even know what feelings are. Forget that. I'm going to shove it down with drugs and alcohol and, and it make it all go away. And so um, it's really, I think, our inability to process our emotions, but also years, years, years and generations of survival Um, We're just now in the place where we're beginning to open up and recognize, oh, wait a second, I have an emotion and what am I supposed to do with this thing? And I've got a thought attached to that and I'm supposed to be responsible, but I don't really know what to do with it. So that's also why I'm in family practice too. So do you think that, do you think that COVID helped make the conversation start happening at a different level? 
Yeah, because people are addicted to work, right? So that's so that's that's a whole nother addiction, right? So we're getting a little dopamine hit. We go to work every day. We ignore the wife. We ignore the kids. We ignore all the family. We don't have to deal with it. And then all of a sudden, bam, we stop, right? We we're not running anymore. We're not going to the gym anymore. We're not, you know, avoiding things anymore. We're, you know, we're like stopping. And now we have to sit with ourselves, right? That's a scary place for some people. I would say 99.99999% of people, when they stopped, it was like, oh my God, like, number one, I, I don't like this person that I live with. I don't even know these people. I don't even like myself. You know, like, remember, like, like Uber would you, you could actually get alcohol Uber to your house. Like, you know, that, you know, there was antidepressant commercials on television. If your antidepressant isn't working, try an additional boost bar. You know, I mean, that really lets us know how our inability, but mostly, and, and, you know, it's really important for people to understand, right? None of us were taught about our emotions, about our thoughts. You know, I'm in family practice and I teach parents, right, who are in our age group, how to, the tools that we didn't get, right? Teaching them how to, okay, so this is what we do. We acknowledge our emotions. We've got here 10 tools to be able to, you know, process through this emotion. We're going to teach because, you know, the kids are acting out for whatever reason. And then I ask the parents, I go, well, you know, what do you do with your emotions? Well, you know, I bottle it up. I get stressed out. I go grab a, you know, a glass of wine. I do what, you know, and I go, well, they're, that's what they're learning. And then they're like, oh my God. Yeah, because parenting is not for the, uh, not for the timid. Right. So yeah, there's a lot to it. You just gave me my aha because I was probably in that 0.00001% that was tickled pink that I didn't have to go running, that Mm -hmm. I could focus on myself, that Mm -hmm. I didn't feel obliged. And I thought it was the best time of my life. You know, like (laughs) Do I have to decide between Zumba class, grocery shopping, like all the things and you just, for me, what I heard or took away from that in relationship to me was because I'm in recovery, because I'm paying attention to those things, because I'm okay today without slowing down. Cause I didn't have a drink during COVID and it didn't bother me. And I actually was a little like, why are, you know, why are liquor stores open? But yeah the physical reaction too. I've lost people to alcoholism. I know about seizures and all yeah, of those things. Too, of so it makes sense, but thank you yeah. for that. You just kind of gave me another nugget. Um, so since we're on the topic of children mm-hmm. in this parenting, it, this, I guess, goes back to the emotional health, right? Like they don't know what they don't know. Nobody knows yeah. what they don't know. Correct. Um, it's almost like the, the solution is have an open mind and get educated. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's almost that simple. It sounds like. Yeah, for sure. But where I was going with this was, um, the children to me, like I told you, I wanted to talk about sugar as an addiction. Um, mm-hmm. and I have a girlfriend who is very, she won't even eat at a restaurant. Like she makes her food to travel overnight. She's very, mm-hmm. um, oh, natural. Yeah. And she told me a story one time about her child and their reaction to candy with the dyes in it and stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So can you talk about that a little about not just kids, but, but sugar addiction, how does that look yeah. family dynamic? Of course. So sugar in and of itself, um, when a person has sugar addiction, there's a few drivers for that, right? 
so sugar um, mimics dopamine in the brain, right? Dopamine's your happy, happy chemical, right? It's it's that like girl that you get, right? So every time you eat sugar, you actually mimic that dopamine. And there's some people that have genetic predispositions to that. So there's different genetic variants called like one is COMT, one is DHFR. It's not important for you to remember the, the names, but it is important to understand what it does. And so when you have some of these genetic variants, your body actually needs, your brain anyway, needs more dopamine, right? So if you're a type A driven personality, somebody that likes education a lot and works and does all the things, right? You know, then your brain is going to like that dopamine response, right? And then also um, inversely, right? If you're more of an on a depressive state and you're more kind of ho-hum and, you know, you're like that, um, what is it? Um, that one character. Is, exactly. You're more of like an Eeyore kind of, you know, you're more on the, the serotonin end, right? And so they, they actually play uh, off of each other. So you can go really up, 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 and then crash down, right? And up, 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 and crash down. And really it's the neurotransmitters. And that's what got me into genetics and methyl genetics, because I wanted to understand why some people were like up and down, up and down, up and down. I wanted to understand ADD, ADHD, all that kind of stuff. So the nervous system, when it's not stable, it's very sensitive. Okay. The nervous system in general is very sensitive. It, it responds to stimulus you give it. So let's say you give it a food dye, right? Food dyes are very neurotoxic and a lot of candies have food dyes in them, right? So it reacts into the system and then it creates an inflammatory response. And so if you have an inflammatory response and then you keep feeding it sugar, 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 it also overworks the liver heavy metal toxicity is running through the liver, then it's creating a mess, it's creating yeast and um, candida, things like that. And then that actually physiologically is driving the craving. So not only does the brain want more of it, but it, but also the imbalance of bacteria, as well as the yeast in the digestive system, because of an overtoxic liver is now kind of feeding the beast. And you're just feeling like you're kind of a victim to circumstance, there is a physiological thing going on. And if you don't block those things, you will keep going back again and again, because unfortunately, willpower will only take you so far. Um, you can definitely will yourself into these things. And I'm not saying you can't, you get, you know, it's kind of like one of those things, like if you, if you come off of it, you can't do any of it. Like it's not one of the, you can't do like a little bit of sugar. Like it's either all or nothing, right? And that's just because the brain loves it. You know, there are certain substances my brain loves. And if I'm anywhere, like literally 20 mile radius of it, I'm like, I'm out of here. Goodbye. Because my br I know how my brain gets, right? And so I think just knowing yourself and knowing how your body works, you know, is so critical. Like my, my former husband, right? whatever, could do anything, but alcohol, he, his brain loved acetylcholine. That's what alcohol does to the brain. It, it manufactures acetylcholine. It creates that chemical process. So you can actually mimic these things in the brain supplementally because your brain actually does need them and they're depleted. So that's what's caught creating some of the drivers. And that's, what's creating some of the, um, you know, addictive physiological. Now there's the emotional piece, but on the physical level, that's what's happening uh, with the system. So hopefully that makes sense. It, it made a lot of sense for sure. And just to define, just to be clear, I should have actually done this in reverse, but when we're talking about sugar in this lens, we're talking about like pure sugar. We're not necessarily talking about fruits that generate sugar, right? So we're talking about, yeah, high glycemic sugars can also do that. 
So like your, you know, pineapples, your, um, what's another one, your citrus fruits, things like that, but also your simple carbohydrates, right? So your breads, your pastas, your rices, all the similarism because it's glucose, your body's going to process it the same. Okay. I'm glad I asked that because I was thinking we weren't necessarily including all of that. So yeah, no, just, just because, just because it's deemed healthy, quote unquote, doesn't mean it's healthy for you because we have something called mechanism of action in biochemistry. So we're always looking at what it's actually doing to the system. So your, your food is, is a chemical process and then it goes through your digestive tract, right? And it metabolizes. That's another chemical process. So you're converting fuel into energy. And so you want to understand, I mean, not to the the depth, but understanding what different foods, like for me, because I know that the dopamine issue that I have in my digestive system and my liver, et cetera. And interestingly enough, I have diabetes on both sides of my family. Right. So, Mm. so sugar, no, no, no. Right. And so if I didn't know that, if I, if I just like, if I just had a whole bunch of sugar, if I drank red wine all the time, or if I, you know, um, you know, ate, you know, fruit smoothies or whatever, I wouldn't know that, but the glucose would be going to my head and making me feel all kind of fuzzy. And then I'm creating gassing and bloating and all kinds of different issues with my digestive system because I'm feeding all of those microbes. Right. But because I know that about myself, number one, I don't drink red wine. Number two, I make sure that I do high protein, low, uh, carbohydrate, mid, mid carbohydrate, low fat. Right. And I know that because of my genetics and I know that because of my biochemistry. So really knowledge is power when it comes to understanding why you're doing what you're doing. So if you look at it, if you, if you hover above yourself and you're an observer, so we have to let go of the shame. We have to let go of the judgment. We have to let go of all of the, the beating ourselves up. If we table that for a minute and we look at ourselves almost like a scientist, right? We see, oh, okay, why do I keep doing that? What's going on with my system? And when I do this, that feels better. When I do that, that feels better. And that that's really self-awareness. Um, and so a lot of people are working on that right now. Yeah, I struggle with that. Like when people talk about, they can tell by how they're feeling, Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't remember ever feeling really hung over when I was drinking mm-hmm. heavy. I know mm-hmm. I was, but like, I've just always had a hard time identifying that. Um, so tell me what it would look like. Let's pretend I was your patient and I came in mm-hmm. to see you. And since you address all four, I call them four aspects, right? The physical, mm-hmm. mental, emotional, and spiritual. Um, what does that look like? What is working with you as someone who wants to get in touch to their body, try to understand all these reactions and get as educated as you without six degrees. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And the reason, so, so I'm very blessed in the sense that it makes sense to me. And I, every, really, this is my life mission and purpose, right? I learn all the information and then I break it down. Right. And even if I've, you know, in this recording, even if I've said things over, over people's head, which I often do, right there's a reason for that. And it's really to, to help bring people kind of up to speed because this is language that nobody really talks about because we don't know. Right. So when I'm working with people, I'm very much a teacher, right? Doctor in Latin means teacher. That's my job. Right. And I go out and I figure these things out and I assimilate them and I play around with myself. I'm always my, my own, you know, test subject, you know, and I figure all this stuff out. And then I teach people in a very easy, organized place. So when a person kind of approaches my practice, um, 
they schedule a consultation, right? I have two options for that. So they schedule a consult, whatever works for them. And we have a discussion, right? And the discussion is about how I can help them, what's going on, et cetera. And then from there, I have a hypothesis because it's a scientific experiment for me. So I'm collecting data. So I get information from the consultation. Then I have a hypothesis. Then I prove or disprove that using a lab because that's an objective finding. I assess all of it. I create a plan and I modulate the plan, meaning we we're always addressing it. And then because I'm treating on so many levels, I tend to see patients more often than like your standard primary care. So I, on average, I see my patients every three weeks versus, you know, a, a doctor, you're only going to see them once a year. And the reason for that is to educate them, motivate them, inspire them, but also to hold them accountable, Right to be able to achieve results because behavior, you know, I'll go over a whole bunch of stuff and then, um, you know, they'll like procrastinate for a week and then get it together for a week. And then they want to go back to their old habits, like the sabotage. Right. And then, Oh, I got to see Dr. Steele again. Right. And so it's really to help coach people through wherever they're stuck, because like you mentioned, you're not self-aware, right. That can actually be taught right? It's, you're not self-aware because you're not, you haven't been educated about how your body works. So when I slow things down, right. And I teach you step-by-step from the beginning, I teach you basic biochemistry. I teach you protein, fats, and carbs, what they're for. I teach you what that means, how to digest them, how to know you're digesting them. Well, we take all this data. We take over 350, 500 data points on every patient. So I can show you you know, through the data, okay, this and that, and this and that, and this is what we're looking at. And this is what we're looking at. And then over time you learn. So my patients flash forward, they they stay with me for a minimum of six months to a year, depending on the case. And then at the end of that period, we go, okay, are you good? And most of the time patients, they step down to lesser plans. So then I see them once every two months. And then eventually they have kind of mastered in a sense body, mind, and spirit. And so they have been taught and trained so that they know so that when I release them back out into the wild, they really have this greater sense of self-awareness and education, and they really know what's going to work for them and what's not going to work for them. So you're, instead of, I have a symptom and I go to Mm -hmm. a normal doctor Mm -hmm. and the doctor prescribes something and Mm -hmm. then a side effect happens. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's not the med. So we go back and we do another med. Um, mm-hmm. And we probably get a bonus med for the side effect, right? Yay. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Bonus med. <laughs> so in your scenario, it's trial and error like that premise, but it's tapping into different maybe foods or different how we address emotions. Like So it's, does- it's a different... Yes, it's a different, it's a whole different philosophy. So allopathic medicine, which is what you're used to is built off of a diet managed model, right? So I, so based off of that model, I, I, I check out, I don't have a symptom, so I guess I'm healthy. And all of a sudden I develop a symptom out of nowhere. And then I go and rush into the doctor and I give my power away. Doctor, doctor, please help me. Please help me. Please help me. And the doctor goes, I can help you. Here's a drug. And then that's the whole cycle, right? That's not what I do. (laughs) What I do is you come and, and it drives people nuts in the beginning. Let me tell you, because we're so programmed to do that, right? So you come in and all of that is clues 
All your symptoms are just clues. They're clues to what the cause is. So I pump your brakes and I get you out of the problem solution cycle because I'm not a firefighter, right? Allopathic doctors are firefighters. I am a medical detective. I come back and figure out how the fire started. So I'm listening to all your clues and then I've got some good hypothesis. And then I take all this data so I can precisely treat what the problem is in the order of priority in the way that the body actually heals itself. So I'm not guessing. I love that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a scientist. So, so I'm going to give you exactly what you need when you need it, not what you want. So this is where the rubber meets the road because resistance and anxiety and fix it. And, you know, and, and you could just get to fight with yourself. And we just, we're very loving in our practice and we're all trauma informed. So we just go, okay, yeah, you're going to be fine. Um, and then also too, we do a lot with uh, biofrequency. So we, a lot of it is people's nervous systems are not toned because they're so used to fight or flight responses. Right. And so we use biofrequency and biofrequency tools. That's more Eastern medicine. And we bring that to soothe the nervous system. And we do a lot of different modalities within our practice. So biofrequency is one biofeedback is another uh, we do a clinical, I'm clinical hypnotherapist. We do NLP. We do a lot of things to soothe the immune system. We use CBT cognitive behavioral therapies. I'm treating on so many different levels, you know, spiritually I'm, 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 I do energy medicine as well. So I'm treating on so many different levels to help people through the process of self-discovery. So it's a, it's a transformation. They're not just people change. I change, I help pe people change their lives. They walk in one person and they leave my practice totally different. So do you mind explaining what biofrequency looks like? I don't know what that is at all. Yeah. So biofrequency is very low frequency. So everything in our world is based off of frequency, right? So from cells to tissues, to organs, to organ systems, to emotions, emotions are frequency, tables are frequency, dogs are frequency, everything's frequency, right? So we have frequency in our system and we can actually, in our practice, we can measure it, right? We use the, through the human biofield, we have a camera that actually measures your frequency. Um, it's more sensitive than PET scan, MRI, CT. And then we also have a device that's out of Germany that actually we can test to be able to run, we can understand where your frequencies are um, uh, dysregulated, right? So like if you have a virus, your frequencies are dysregulated and then we can send frequency to neutralize that particular dysregulation or we can remove it. So let's say if you have a toxic agent in your system, let's say you have like, you know, mercury in your system or whatever, that's highly toxic. We can actually destabilize that uh, frequency through frequency and then we can then uh, go in biochemically and, you know, give your body, let's say glutathione, which is an antioxidant or vitamin C or ALA, and then bind it out of the system. So I use biofrequency kind of as a way to open up those pathways, right? Cause it's very subtle. And then I'll use biochemistry on top of it to be able to get the body to, to do what it needs to do. Are you talking about the same frequency when they say, um, high frequencies are like gratitude, authenticity, yes. love? Yes. Okay. Yes. And also this is the same principle that acupuncture is built off of. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get an acupuncture person on here. I haven't done that yet. Totally. Yeah. So, so acupuncture is built off the meridian system, right? So you have like, I think 12, 14 meridians uh, within the body 12. And then I think there's two like governing ones. And so you have these meridian lines, which is just energy that runs through it, but blockages in energy blockages in chi, which chi is energy, can create disease. And it gets blocked through emotions, through uh, toxins, through pathogens, whatever, right? And so if we unblock those meridians, now the body's actually, we're, we're just all circuitry, we're all energy. That's why, you know, you jump on, you go, oh my gosh, I just, your, your energy's contagious, right? You're the, you're the, you're like Joe Dispenza. You're where the science and the spirituality yeah. come together. Yes. yes, but in a female version and much more elevated. Nothing against Joe. He's a great guy, but but a different. I'm a different kind of kind of deal than he is. But but that's one of his messages, right? Is yes. the physics yes. with the spirituality yes. piece, right? Because yes. it's then yes. divided. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So when I grew up, okay. Um, so my mother uh, was in medicine, right? Um, and I grew up running around labs, right? So I ran around, you know, I was in organic chemistry classes as a young, young girl, and my mother did cancer research for NIH. So I, I did, lo- I ran around lots of labs. Well, my mother got sick with mental illness, right? When I was very young, like around eight years old, she had a psychotic break that she never quite recovered from. And then one of her uh, therapists recommended her to go you know, to her Native American roots. So I went from running around labs, right, to now doing sweat lodges and vision quests and acupuncture and Reiki attunements. So I grew up learning that there was a a science that you could prove or disprove, but then there was a faith-based healing that you couldn't prove or disprove, but it worked. And so my job, my, my mission is to merge the two and, and, and make, make sure that it makes sense, especially to the Western world. Thank you. Like that is, that is just so huge. And I'm sorry, I meant no disrespect by comparing you. No, no, it's fine. No, he's fabulous in his own right. You know, but, but there's a distinction between, you know, a woman bringing this message out and a man bringing the message out. Definitely. Definitely. Wow. Okay. Like that was such a mind blowing aha for me. (laughs) I I can tell. I know. So yeah. does all this stuff, do your clients have to be in your area, like geographically? No, no I treat patients all over the world. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I treat patients all over. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that you want to share that I haven't touched on Dr. Steele? Like I'm blown away. Yeah. I would say, um, that you all can do it a hundred percent. Even if you can't, even if you don't think you can, you absolutely can, right? And the body, mind, and spirit was made to heal itself if we give it the right environment. And your jobs are to create an environment that's conducive for healing. And instead of judging, criticizing, picking apart, all those things, perhaps look at your life as an observation and begin to observe your life like a science experiment. Do you get the results that you want in your life in all areas of your life? And if you do, great. If you don't, start asking yourself why. And then a little exercise I'll leave everybody with is I wonder, right? Wonder is a very fascinating thing, right? So let's say we see, okay, I have this, you know, addiction that I have, right? That I, I can't seem to kick, right? Hmm. I wonder why I have this addiction. 
I wonder why it's plaguing me so much. I wonder why I keep sabotaging myself. I wonder why I like it so much. I wonder. And you just want to keep wondering. And what that's going to do is that's going to elevate the energy to be able to receive more information and guaranteed you'll start getting answers if you're looking. So I'll leave you guys with that. Yeah, I wonder. Thank you so much, Dr. Steele. I learned so much from you tonight. This was awesome. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So long.